Welcome to the OKC Community Podcast. We are so glad you're here. To get the latest updates or to watch this week's message, visit our website at okccommunitychurch.com. Amen. Well, how many of you guys are ready for 2024? Raise your hand if you're ready for 2024. <laughs> yeah, some of you are like, I don't know, new health habits, new, me, new year, new me, all that good stuff. Uh, well, maybe a maybe more practical question uh, for today. How many of you will stay up until midnight tonight? Raise your hand if you're going to ring in the new year. Look at all those party animals. Those of us not raising our hands are like, nah, I've been there, done that. Like, disappointment, right? And so... So here's what I want to do today. I want to do three things. I want, us to, um, I want us to look back, I want us to look in, and I want us to look ahead. And um, simple way to begin, I thought we'd kind of look back at the year that we just uh, experienced and that we're finishing today. So many significant things happened in 2023. I'm sure in your life you had a lot of important things happen. It's amazing what happens in a year's time, not only uh, in your life, but maybe even in the scope of our city or in the scope Globally, it's, the list is long. I tried to look it up this week, like all the major events of 2023, and I was going to talk on some of it. It's just so many. It's like, it's kind of crazy. So I decided to just condense it to some of the things that happened in our church and to talk a little bit about 2023. I thought I'd take a couple minutes and just give a top 10, because who doesn't like a top 10 list, right? So in no particular order, a few of the things from 2023. Number one, baptisms. And in 2023, we celebrated life-changing work of Jesus by seeing 43 people uh, get baptized. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty amazing, right? Number, number two, uh, we celebrated 10 years as a church, and uh, it was an incredible celebration. We had a great party at the park. Uh, someone won the pickleball tournament. I don't remember who it was, but you know who you are. Way to go. Congrats on that. Um, Number, number three, prayers. We had over 500 hours of prayer in our prayer room this year. Uh, God continues to move through prayer. We believe everything begins and ends with prayer. That's right. And then number four, our, our devotionals. I just thought that was a cool thing to celebrate. We had over 100 original devotionals written this year by people in our church, by many of you, through our Fire in Our Hearts, Matthew and Acts and, and the parables. Uh, it was just, it's an amazing thing. They're still available on the app, by the way. If you're like, hey, how do I start the new year? Well, start the new year reading the Bible and praying and using the devotionals. I mean, uh, we have them available for us. They're resources. And the number five, stories of salvation, healing, and breakthrough. Uh, I know this is like, okay, what do you mean? I mean, we don't have the exact number of things that God did in people's lives this year, but we were pretty focused on sharing stories. We had 31 original testimonies and stories that we shared just on Sundays through videos like the one we just saw or through people live on stage sharing. And that doesn't count the stories that were spontaneously shared in places like Monday Night Prayer or Nights of Worship or in your group or stories that I shared in sermons or even in one of those 31 was a video with 30 different people on our 10-year anniversary talking about what God has done. So we're talking like, you know, 60, 70 or as a pastor would like to say thousands of stories <laughs> just this one year, right? And it's been amazing. And I've always said that the mark of, of success, the mark of God's movement among his people is the stories we can tell. And if we're telling stories, then God is moving, and we are telling stories. Amen? Number six, Alpha. We had over 150 people come to Alpha this year and be a part of Alpha. That's the most we've ever had in one year. Number, number seven, our live stream. I want to talk about this for a minute because our live stream, not necessarily 
not necessarily the view count, although that's great too. It's, it's the quality of our live stream is unbelievable. Um, I just want to I just want to say this because a lot of you don't know, but Josh Nasser and, and and the team, Josh, yeah, Josh leads it, and and he started his own YouTube channel, and it's and it's really helping churches know how to make a great live stream on a small budget because you know we have such a huge budget here. Um, but he and he and he's and it's pretty remarkable. Like thousands of people from around the country are watching this YouTube of him telling people how to make a live stream that does our live stream. And I have pastors that will say, "Hey, man, I watched your and I think they're about to say sermon." <laughs> and I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, 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 yeah." And they say, "Your live stream, guys, YouTube video." And I'm like, "Cool, cool, 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 cool. Yeah, that's great." And he's like, "Man, it's amazing." And 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 here's the deal. Like, I'm just want to celebrate like our guys and girls that do our live stream because. It is pretty ridiculous what they do, and I'm so thankful for it. And, um, and we, have, we do have over 1,000 views and listens every month, and that's just thankful. I'm just thankful for how God is using technology in that way and, and, and uh, expanding our ministry. Number eight, uh, our holiday project and our, and our single moms, what we did for them this year, we were able to serve, I think it was over 40, maybe more than that, uh, single moms and 100 kids through Thanksgiving and Christmas. <clears throat> and it was really just... It was really just the hope to say, hey, we see you and we love you, and, and we hope they felt that. And number nine is shared, and I know a lot of you haven't heard a lot about this one. It's behind the scenes, scenes but of what's happening with shared. And, and it's a ministry and a vision that we had at the beginning of the year that, you know, hasn't gone exactly like we, we imagined, but we just kind of put it in God's hands and said, what do you want to do? And shared this year, I mean, like I said, we don't talk about it a lot, but it's, it's helped over 50 people in our church. This is really our ministry to just share with one another. It's helped people in our church. We've given away over $25,000 to people that in need for shared. Um, it's like home repair needs, car repair needs, people losing jobs. We just, we step in the gap and try and help. And then number 10 is sort of, I know, a little bit of a catch-all, but I would just say loads of ministry, right? Um, number 10, right, is it's a nod to all the amazing ministry that's been happening um, some of our great events like Student Life Summer Camp, which is an amazing event for teenagers, or Guys Night, Girls Night, Marriage Night, Monday Night Prayer, Nights of Worship, VBS, which is incredible for our kids. Love the city uh, stuff like serving meals to city care uh, and, and taking care of the homeless and, and partnering with Restore OKC. I mean, the list goes on and on, right? And we have more people now involved in our serve teams and connect groups than we ever have had before. And so there's just so much to celebrate. Amen? Yeah. Yeah, we just give God praise. And on top of that, on top of that, in 2023, it was a year that we had a spiritual vision. It was one in which we said, hey, the thread running through the year this year is going to be a vision for a white, hot, burning fire in our hearts. Right? That we want a fire in our hearts. Everyone say, fire in our hearts. Fire. Look at your neighbor and say, turn up the heat. <laughs> there are times that we have to put our heart on the line and ask ourselves, are we serious about this following Jesus thing? Then if we are, then we have to keep the fire burning. And I'm going to read a scripture out of Leviticus 6 that I've read many times this year. But it says, keep the fire burning on the altar. It must not go out. Replenish the wood for the fire every morning. Arrange the whole burnt offering on it and burn the fat of the peace offering on top of that. Keep the fire burning on the altar continuously. It must not go out. Some of you are like, Tim, you've read that verse like three or four times this year. And I'm like, I know. I know I have because there is a, a vision alive in this for us that God started the fire and it is our job to steward the fire, right? That, that today, we obviously know that the fire is different than it was in Leviticus when it was in the tent of meeting or in the tabernacle. But through Jesus, the scriptures say with even a greater emphasis that we are now the temple of God and that the fire of God lives in us, that it, he is the fire in our hearts. And all throughout scripture, 
the Holy Spirit is described as fire. Fire is probably the most common symbol or picture of the Holy Spirit. Now, thank goodness, the Bible doesn't just leave it to words to describe the Holy Spirit, but gives us these images and these symbols. For example, the the Holy Spirit is described as the dove in one part of the scriptures. It's described as the wind of God or the breath of God in other parts of the scripture. And most notably, it's often described as fire. And this helps us understand more about not only who the Holy Spirit is, but the nature of the Holy Spirit. I've actually been thinking for several weeks, believe it or not, about this day and about what what should we talk about? What should we, if you will, preach about on the last day of 2023? And I just kept coming back to this vision for fire in our hearts that Jesus is still changing us and it always has to do with the fire. Perhaps in an ironic twist about the power of fire, we had our own little encounter with some fire on Christmas Day at our house this year, so just six days ago. Fresh story for you. Our family had a delightful Christmas morning. Um, I went, and then after, as we get a little later in the day, I went to prepare um, for our meal that we were going to have later, and so I turned my smoker on and prepped a big pork roast and going to have some pulled pork and and I put the meat on the smoker, and after a couple hours, uh, Grayson comes running through the house shouting, fire, fire, fire. And I run out back, and my smoker had caught fire. And by the time we noticed it, it was a big fire. Uh, it had caught some lawn furniture on fire. It had caught uh, the, some of the furniture pads from outdoor, which are like lighting a stack of hay on fire. It was like a level, level 10 freak out moment of my life. And so I'll go ahead and tell you how the story ends so you're not worried if my house burned down. Um, everything was fine. Not any, nothing serious was lost except the pulled pork. Um, <laughs> it was leftovers for Christmas. Um, we lost a little furniture, some furniture pads and a lot of pride. And... Uh, <clears throat> I'm at the point where I'm like, does God allow this stuff so I have sermon content? I'm like, Lord, I'm good with metaphors. I don't need literal fire in my life. I didn't know what to preach about. And he's like, I'm trying to tell you. So Grace is running through the house, fire, 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 right? And the fire is raging, level 10 freak out moment. But I just want to commend my family publicly. Like we held it together in our Christmas PJs. Fire extinguishers out on the fire. I ran and got the hose two, one, two, three minutes later. The fire is under control. We don't know what caused it, but it, it happened. How many know where there's, where there's smoke, there's fire? I was smoking meat. I was smoking meat. And there was fire. Literally later that day, I was like, Lord, I get it. I get it. You definitely want me to preach about fire in our hearts. I mean, think about it. Two weeks ago, Julian stood right here, and he's, he's talking about Alpha. And there's a fire right over there when our Advent wreath caught fire. And he's like, you didn't get the message. It's Christmas Day. Level 10 fire. And I'm like, God, I get it. Again, again, God, metaphors. That's all I need. <laughs> he's like, no, you need more. 
So I've been thinking about fire this week. <laughs> and a few things have come to mind. First of all, fire marks you. It marks you. I have a tree in the backyard to prove it. The deck, my, my, my deck in my backyard proves it. It leaves a mark. Fire also stays with you. I've been thinking about fire quite a bit. Fire is powerful. It's all-consuming. Here's the deal. This image or the symbol of the Holy Spirit being fire, it, it's, it's quite a powerful image. Fire marks you. Fire stays with you. Fire is powerful. Fire consumes us. And it's funny how the phrase, man, he's on fire, she's on fire, like that travels in and out of the church, doesn't it? Like you put it in the sports term, it's like, man, that dude can't miss. He's unstoppable right now. You put it, you know, what is Alicia Keys? She sang it, right? That girl is on fire, meaning she is brave, she is powerful, she is resilient. It's a girl power song, and it is straight fire. But in the church, when we say it, when we say I'm on fire or he's on fire or she's on fire, what we're talking about is something different. We're talking about, we're talking about how it's, it's, it's the person of the Holy Spirit in and on that person. They are on fire for Jesus. Meaning the fire of God is deeper than emotion. It's deeper than having a strong passion. It's deeper than even a revival breaking out in that person or in that church. Rather, the fire of God on you is the person of the Holy Spirit. And I say person very intentionally. The Holy Spirit is not an it. The Holy Spirit is a he. He is a person. The third person of the Trinity. Jesus said, I am sending one after me that when he comes on you, you will receive power. The Holy Spirit has a will. The Holy Spirit has thoughts. The Holy Spirit even has emotions. It says in the scriptures that we can grieve the Holy Spirit. The Bible says in Hebrews that Jesus sits in heaven at the right hand of the Father and he intercedes for us. But the Bible also says in the book of Romans that the Holy Spirit intercedes for us from earth. So you have Jesus in heaven interceding for you. You have the Holy Spirit on earth interceding for you. How many know it's good to have Jesus and the Holy Spirit on your side going before you because he is for you? And more than anything in the scriptures, we see that the Holy Spirit is fiery, right? Hebrews 12, 29, we say it all the time, but our God is a consuming fire. In Revelation chapter 19, John, he sees a vision of, the, of, of Jesus coming and coming back to earth. And he says that when he looked in his eyes, his eyes were like a blazing fire. In Daniel 10, 6, we see a different sort of similar um, uh, image of the Lord. Daniel has a vision of the Lord. and He says that his eyes are like lampstands of fire. Then John the Baptist, what does he say? He says, hey, look, I've come, and I've come to baptize with water for repentance, but one who is coming who will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and, say it with me, fire. fire. Numbers 9.15, it says this. On the, day the tab uh, uh, on the day the tabernacle, the tent of the covenant law was set up, the cloud covered it from evening till morning. The cloud above the tabernacle tabernacle looked like fire. Now, if you're like, what are we talking about here? Well, in the Old Testament, in the Old Testament, God's presence would always be accompanied with the tent of meeting or the tabernacle or the temple of God. That's where he resided. And when God originally manifested himself in his presence in the tabernacle, it, it was in the form of a cloud that looked like fire, right? Hovering above. Then once we get to the New Testament, 
Because of Jesus' sacrifice, we learn that God's presence is no longer in the temple, but now it's in us. Our very bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 6.19 says, Do you not know that your bodies are the temples of the Holy Spirit, who is in you, whom you have received from God? So in the Old Testament, fire hovered, and the New Testament, fire dwells. And potentially, the most powerful picture of the Holy Spirit as fire is in Acts 2, right? And the moment known as the day of Pentecost. Remember, one of the other symbols of the Holy Spirit is the wind of God or the breath of God. Or in the Greek, they call it the pneuma. The pneuma is the breath of God. And what happens is in Acts is similar if you go all the way back to Genesis and what happens to Adam when Adam is created. You remember in, in, in Genesis, God forms Adam out of the dust of the earth. And so there's a dust man laying there, right? A dirt man, I often call him. And it wasn't until the breath of God, the pneuma, entered into the dirt man that he became a living being. And just like in Acts, we have a body of believers who are waiting on God to send his Holy Spirit. And until the wind of God, the breath of God, entered into that room, that is when life, that is when the church was born. And so it says it this way. In Acts 2, 2 and 3, suddenly the sound like the blowing of a violent wind came and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. So when the Spirit comes, when the pneuma comes and enters the body of believers, life is born, the church comes alive, and the fire of God rests on them. So the tabernacle going back to Old Testament, had the pillar of fire over the tabernacle. But now there are many tabernacles. We are all little tabernacles. And the fire of God is resting on us. So imagine the city with tabernacles all scattered throughout, and there's little fires over all of them. We are now the fire. The Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit, is the fire in your heart. The power of God in you and on you. And the fire of the Holy Spirit, it has a great purpose for you. It has a great purpose. The fire is often the light that guides you, right? It's often the, the fire that consumes you in a point of saying, I, I, this is what gives me purpose. This is what gives me direction to who I am. It can, it's an all-consuming fire. It's, it's the fire that refines you and purifies you, that rids you of the sin and the temptation and the and the wickedness of the world and says, I'm becoming more like Christ. The Holy Spirit will comfort you, right? The Holy Spirit isn't just emotional chill bumps, although he is at times manifest the way in the way we feel about life. But he is a deep comfort when no one else can comfort. And here's the thing. Here's the thing I've learned about fire is I can't start the fire. This church can't fire you up. Only God starts the fire. But it's our job to steward the fire. It's our job to keep the fire burning. But I don't mean like, let's go get our spiritual workout on. <laughs> I, I, I was thinking about it like I never think we intended for fire in our hearts to be some sort of like spiritually charged motivation for us to go try and do spiritual workouts. Meaning, hey, this isn't let's go crush January and then sort of make it through February and fizzle out by March so we can fire you up again by Easter. Does that sound familiar? 
We keep the fire burning by stewarding the fire daily. When I think about life with Christ, life led by the Spirit, Spirit going before me, it's a daily walk. It's one in which worship and, and, and reading the Bible and praying and serving is as simple as those things sound. They, they're so critical. It's, it's one in which being in community and um, one in which, you know, giving faithfully and generously, uh, one in which actively getting the crap out of our lives. Like those sorts of things all matter. It's one in which being intentional about resting in God's presence. These things are really important because it's the daily rhythm with, with, with God and with Christ. See, God has invited us into a particular way to live. It's not just knowledge about him or even commitment to him. And it's about operating with him as the leader and the Lord of your life, as the Holy Spirit is the fire in your heart. So today is December 31st, 2023, as you know. Happens to be a Sunday, and 365 days ago, on January 1st, 2023, the first day of the year, it was also a Sunday. And so we started the year on a Sunday, and we're ending the year on a Sunday, which only happens like, oh, it happens like 10 times every century. So what is that? It's not, it's not once every 10 years. It's kind of weird how the calendar works, but you get what I'm saying. It's, it's not rare, but it's rare enough that it's like, hey, that was interesting. Sunday to Sunday, yeah, I got it. I like it. And this message back on January 1st, which I realize some of you weren't here for that. You, you were either gone or you were, maybe you didn't even start coming until later in 2023 to this church. But the message I gave that day was inviting you to consider, what if, you, what if we gave the entire year to God? What if 2023 was all for him? You guys remember that? What if 2023 was all for him? What if we said, God, we surrender this year to you? What would the year look like? I imagine you consider personally. We certainly made that the aim of our church throughout the year, bringing it up often. That was our aim. And we said 2023 is going to be a year that's all for you. But we realized that in order to do that, we're going to have to turn up the heat. (laughs) And, you know, I realized that some of you, like, yeah, that's cool that church did that. But I never personally went home and thought, hey, God, 2023. Maybe you never felt that personally, and that's okay. Um, but it was for the church. And I asked you a question, you know, how are you doing spiritually? And I used this spiritual thermometer. You guys remember this thermometer that we used? Um, you got that picture? Yeah. There's coming eventually. There's a thermometer. Uh, this where we talked about what is your spiritual temperature? Are you freezing? Are you cool? Are you room temp? Are you warm? Are you hot for Jesus? Right? And, and I'm not asking you to take your spiritual temperature today. But here's what I know. It's likely that your spiritual temperature this year has went up and down. (laughs) Right? I know for many of us, we feel the presence of God one week and the next week we're like, where'd the fire go? And I just know that begins when we talk about the presence of God, that that is of the all-consuming, the comforting, the convicting, the counselor, the one that calls us. You guys got to set the five C's. This is a message coming someday, but the Holy Spirit consumes, comforts, convicts, counsels, and calls us as the fire of God in our life. But I want to encourage any of us that feel like the fire isn't all that hot right now. You were, you know, you're here, 
obviously, but at best, you would say, yeah, it's been an up and down year. <laughs> you're, you were feeling the fire of God at one point, but now you're not really feeling it all that much. Maybe best your room temp. I want to encourage us because remember, Jesus is still changing everything about everything. You know, one of the more powerful encounters from the gospel comes from John 21, when Jesus restores Peter. You guys remember that story? His restoration was related to that terrible night when Peter denied Christ three times. If you don't know the story, I mean, most of you probably have heard of it, but if you don't, um, Jesus told Peter that before it even happened, that it would happen. He told Peter, he said, hey, I'm about to be betrayed. I'll be handed over to be killed. And before the night's over, you're going to deny me three times. And, of course, Peter said, no, 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 Lord, that would never happen. He was the leader of the disciples. He was bold. He was faithful. He said, there's no way that I would ever deny you, Jesus. But, of course, he did. And the scriptures say that after the third denial, Jesus and Peter caught eyes. They, like, had eye, like, eye contact with each other. And Peter realized how badly he had failed. And he broke down and he wept bitterly. So Peter had some really high highs, didn't he? Like, he was like blazing hot with Jesus <laughs> at certain points of his life. And Peter also had some really low lows. But what I think is interesting is even in his embarrassing failures, like this one, for example, this one happened while he was spiritually hot. Which is interesting. Just because you're on fire for Jesus doesn't mean life is going to go perfect. In fact, that's often when the rug gets pulled out from underneath you. So Peter's broken. He's failed. Peter's embarrassed. He's frustrated. And don't you know Peter was like, I, I, just, I think there's indications in the scripture. We don't know for sure. But I think there's indications in the scripture that Peter was unsure if he should keep going. Like he's made such an obvious mistake. He's committed such an egregious sin. that I'm sure he wondered like, what's the point? Of trying again, like I've messed up, like I don't understand. And, and, and he's like, every time we keep trying to do this, and maybe you felt this way, like why keep trying? Why keep putting on the act? It always ends the same. I try to turn up the heat and it ends the same in some sort of disappointment or failure or all of a sudden I'm, you know, I was hot and now I'm not. I mean, and, and we try and pull should we try and pull our spiritual bootstraps up again and keep putting on the act? Because how many times can I fail and keep trying again? And all of us have felt that. We try to give a year to him, and by the end of the year, we're like, did, I, did that really go like I thought? Uh, did, did, did I do him justice? Or we try to read the Bible, and, and then all of a sudden it's been a month since you've cracked it open. Or, or maybe you try to make him first and give to him or tithe to him, whatever, and then all of a sudden you're not giving or we try and commit to a more consistent faith and all of a sudden you're off the rails again. Like I say, we're hot and then all of a sudden we're not. <laughs> In John 21, the story plays out with Peter. And again, this, is, this, is, this part is days later after the denial, three denials and after resurrection of Christ, Jesus comes looking for Peter. It says this, early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. And he called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, well, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. And when they did, they were unable to haul in the net because of the large number of fish. Now, this is a throwback to whenever Jesus first called Peter 
whenever he asked them to do basically the same thing. And so then, and, and John gets the clue. He's like, oh, then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. And as soon as Simon, Simon Peter heard him say this, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him for the one he had taken off, and he jumped into the water, which has always confused me. I've always done the other way. Take my garment off to jump in the water, but whatever. Peter's weird. Um, the other disciple follow, followed in the boat, trying to, or towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from the shore, about 100 yards. And when they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals. And there were fish on it and some bread. So Jesus is about to restore Peter. So Jesus, just so you know, restores Peter with some fire. <laughs> they meet together over a fire. And what I love about it, they have breakfast, and the story continues in the scripture, and I'll just summarize it briefly. Jesus asked Peter, do you love me? Peter says, yes, Lord, you know I love you. And then Jesus, of course, asks him again, Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know I do. And then Jesus asked Peter a third time as a reversal of the three denials and says, Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Then feed my sheep. Then build my church. Then be my rock. Then be who I've called you to be. We have to remember who came looking for who in this story. Jesus came looking for Peter, right? Jesus came to rekindle the fire. And I have a sense, not because of the sermon, but because of what God's been doing over the last number of weeks, maybe months in your life. Maybe you've been getting signs. Maybe they've not been literal fires like me. But I have a sense that Jesus is coming for some people in this room today. He's coming for you. He's looking for you. He wants to rekindle something in you and say, hey, get back. Get back to who I've called you to be. I have a sense that he's coming for people who feel like they've failed or they're disappointed or they're embarrassed or they're frustrated. You see, Jesus will renew He'll restore, he'll rekindle, he'll revive. That's what he does. Jesus says, let's have breakfast and start again, shall we? He says, do you love me? If you say, yes, Lord, you know that I love you, then he says, then let's go. 2024 is calling you up into things that 2023 could only dream about. He comes looking for us in our disappointment and in our fizzled fires And he says, let's get this fire going again. Let's keep it burning. Jesus starts the fire. We tend the fire. We steward it. But he doesn't let it go out. Jesus is still changing everything about everything. Everyone say still. He's still changing you. You know, I don't know about you, but looking back at this last year of ups and downs, even in my own life. Some good things, some not so good things, some surprises, some disappointments. Yet I can still say, and I want to, all of us to be able to say, it's still all for you. Everyone say still. It's still all for you, God. We started the year saying it's all for you. We're ending the year saying it's still all for you. His question, do you love me? It's a centering sort of question, isn't it? It's one that is restorative in nature. He says, I know you've messed up, but the big question here is, do you love me? 
He says, I know you're not where you want to be, but the big question is, do you love me? Do you understand Jesus is trying to share something with us in this moment? He's like, listen, this isn't a justification or a dismissal of anything that we've done that isn't his will, but it's a, it's, it's a declaration to say, I believe, Jesus is saying this, I believe love conquers all. Love defeats all. Love beats disappointment. Love beats the sin in your life. Love, the question isn't, hey, Peter, are you sorry? Although we should be sorry. The question isn't, hey, Peter, are you going to recommit? Are you going to one-up again? He's not asking all these other questions. It starts with this. Do you love me? Do you love me, Peter? Yes, Lord, you know I do. Then okay. That's good enough for me. Let's start this fire again. Let's get going again. Do you love me? Love conquers all. Love will defeat discouragement and disappointment. Love will be what stokes and stewards the fire. Jesus knew Peter's heart. Jesus remembered that Peter was the guy that stepped out of the boat. Jesus remembered that he was the one that boldly proclaimed that he is the son of God. Jesus remembered that Peter was the guy that that was always leading his other disciples. Jesus remembered who he was and Jesus remembers who you are too. He knows you love him. And if you're like, oh, I don't know if I do. Well, you can. You can put your love all directed at Christ and what he's done for you. So as we end the year and we start a new year, I, I just, I'm praying that you would set your heart on this vision that says it's still all for him. Even in the ups and downs of it all, it's still all for him. So here's what we've done today. We have done this. I said at the beginning, we're going to look back and celebrate what God has done. We're going to look in and recognize our need, need for Jesus to rekindle some stuff in us. And we're going to look ahead to how we can steward the fire of God every day. So I want to pray for us and I want to and just invite the ministry of Jesus into this place to just meet people where they're at. Meet you where you're at. And perhaps today you would just need to say to God, yes, Lord, you know I do. You know I love you. Would you bow your heads? Holy Spirit, come. We invite you to consume and comfort and convict and counsel and call us today. And as we worship, I'm just going to pray the Holy Spirit moves in us so that we'll move for him. We're going to worship in a moment and this altar will be open. Our prayer team will be here. All those great things, ways that we always respond to him. You can do that today, but I do believe that some of us We need that moment where we allow Jesus to rekindle the fire. Would you let him do that today? Would you let him meet you in a tender, real, authentic moment to where you can just acknowledge that you love him? I'll say this, if today you want to give your life to Jesus, maybe you're here and you're like, man, this is all great, but I've never actually done the first step, which is surrendering my life to Jesus. Maybe you've been questioning if, if, if you know Jesus or if you've ever, if you've got your life right with God. Well, there's a, there's a moment that every person is given the opportunity to just listen uh, to what the Holy Spirit is maybe doing in you. The Holy Spirit convicts us. He doesn't condemn 
convicts us and draws us to him, draws us to the Holy, or draws us to our heavenly father. And if today you're feeling that and you're just like, Lord, I, I want to step towards you. I want to surrender my life. I want to make you the Lord of my life. I want to help you do that. And you can do that just by praying today and inviting him into your life, giving him your life. And here's the prayer. If you're ready to just give your life to Jesus today, just say, Jesus, I give you my life. Just whisper that prayer right now. Say, Jesus, I give you my life. Jesus, I give you my life. Just say it to him if you mean it. If you wanted to surrender your life to Jesus today, say, Jesus, I give you my life. And I'd like to add just a few other things because this is what we see in the scriptures about ways in which we surrender our life to him. So not only do we surrender our life by saying, I give you my life, but we say, and I ask for forgiveness of my sins. So just pray that. Say, Lord, I ask for forgiveness. Forgive me of my sin. And then there's an acknowledgement that he's the Lord. And I make you Lord of my life. Just pray that. I make you the Lord of my life. From this day forward, I make you the Lord of my life. guys stand with us? If you just prayed that prayer, go ahead and stand. We're going to worship. But if you just prayed that prayer, I'll give you some more instruction at the end, but you just gave your life to Christ and I'm so happy for you. But we're going to worship. This altar's open. I do believe it's a perfect day to just say, Lord, I, want to, I just want to come and say to you one more time, it's still all for you. Let's worship together. We hope you've enjoyed this week's message. If there's anything we can pray with you about, or if you have questions about God, we'd love to talk with you. Please visit our contact page at okccommunitychurch.com.